Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Zarin. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm good. You look good. like you feel Thank well. Thank you for asking. Oh, my pleasure. You know, I'm a curious type. You are. Listen. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you, curious, George. Oh, sure. Lay it on me. Uh, you know it's ridiculous. Oh, yes. Oh. Do you? Mr. David Lee Roth. Oh, my God. He's so beautifully ridiculous. I right? love him. Did you know in 2004... David Lee Roth, a.k.a. Diamond Dave, a.k.a. Mr. David Lee Roth. He went to work in the Bronx as an emergency medical technician. I do know that. I think I talked about it on Ridiculous History once. Oh, that's right. I did. You do know You know this then. Uh-huh. Well, he called it a perfect job for him. Yeah. I was blown away by this. He's amazing. I was like, dude, how cool is this? And like, he was like super excited where he was like talking about like, at one point he would go up to people. There they are like lying bloody on the pavement of New York City. And David Lee Roth comes up to them, grins down at them and goes, you're going to be okay. I mean, like that has amazing. to be like, like, a, like it was like a dream, amazing. right? And then he actually starts to save them. Like not just like it's an apparition. <laughs> right. He takes their blood pressure. He starts right. bandaging them. According to Diamond Dave, he said, not once has anyone recognized me, which is perfect for me. So apparently <laughs> they weren't actually seeing him, which is kind of wild. Like you actually had the moment and no one recognized that it was David yeah. Lee Roth, which is the wildest part to me. Yeah. They missed out on the moment. Anyway, I <laughs> well, thought that was ridiculous. Well, he wasn't wearing spandex all, yeah. Yeah, like to be saved by David Lee Roth and not know it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So there you that go. is ridiculous. Uh, you want to know what else is ridiculous? Oh, dude, please. Getting arrested for trying to quit a job. I think I've done that. <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Damn right. Zarin. Yes? Close your eyes. No, I'm Whoa, just, I'm wait. Kidding. <laughs> Came kidding. at me fast. I'm just kidding. Uh, you like classical music, I right? love classical music. Yeah. 
Uh, answer the question, sir. Yes. I reclaim my time. Uh, well, I have a, a whopper of a show for you okay, today. I, I, too, like classical music. Thanks for asking. Okay. Do you like classical music? Yes, uh, I do. I just said that. Oh, these, right. these are criming classical composers and musicians that I have for you today. Oh. Can you it, believe that? This is awesome. And this is not like Hector Berlioz did some opium. This is like crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, this is... Remember, you did the stolen Stradivarius. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. this is beyond... This really? is beyond that. Beyond th- that, your your mind will be boggled at the level of crime. Wow, I'm going to buckle up, Buttercup. So yeah, you should. Now, we don't have any hardcore criminals in this one. Okay. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we don't have arsonists or bank robbers. This is good, clean fun. Oh, nice. Just squeaky clean. That's what we're all about here. Good, How, clean fun. Yeah, soap that floats. Schubert. Oh. Do you, do you play do you play an instrument, Zarin? Does harmonica count? Yeah, I would count a harmonica. You count a harmonica? It's a musical instrument. Yeah, yeah. So I, I play harmonica, but I would say I'm no musician. Okay. Because, uh, like, from the ages of about 8 to 20, I played the cello. Nice. That's a big secret. Um, I couldn't play. Are you good? You like no, it? No. I couldn't play to save my life today, <laughs> oh. I'm guessing. But, like, I played in this school orchestra in high school, mm-hmm. and it really went with my whole, like, I have to wear net gear at night, and <laughs> I didn't attend one party in high school vibe. I play the cello. Yeah, she'll play the cello. Uh, I leaned in. I leaned in. You're I wore w- headgear too, by the way, just so you know. Only Were for you- six months, but I did wear it. Okay, well, here I was leaning in, <laughs> fully adjusting. You're welcome, Cheryl yeah. Sandberg. So Schubert. Yes. Uh, he was one of my favorite composers to play. Oh, really? And not necessarily to listen to, yeah, but I, I was always. Say. I mean, I in that case, I like favored the tragic stuff in a minor key. Okay. Um, but boy, howdy, was he fun to play for the strings? Yeah, very bouncy, mm-hmm. and not as technically demanding as some Mozart stuff, but a nice little challenge. Totally. Uh, the Schubert that we played didn't relegate the cello to just like long bass notes. Just holding the note, yeah. <sighs> You bet you played a lot of Beethoven we then, too, to, for the like. Yeah, but yeah. we got to shine, baby. Oh, yeah. With Front Schubert. And Schubert! Um, <laughs> so that's what I'm going to start yelling when I stub my toe. Okay. Uh, or maybe if someone sneezes. I don't know. I'm open to anything with that. I'm taking suggestions. Franz Schubert, mm-hmm. that little darling. Uh, he was an Austrian composer born in 1797. Oh. I was six years old then. Yeah, you were just a sprite. Just a little babe. Uh, he was in that late classical, early romantic era. Oh, yeah. Romantic. Hey. He wrote seven symphonies. Lots of good chamber music. Okay. Really brought it, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear me try and say the name of the suburb of Vienna where he grew up? Yes. Okay, I'm going to have to sound... Say it Him- fast. Himmelfortgrund. No, I'm sorry, I missed it. Could you say that again? Himmelfortgrund. I'm sorry, I missed it. Could you say that one more time? Him up Fort Groom. Ah, Bless yes. me. Schubert. Uh, so he was a child prodigy. Prost. And that's always fun. Yes, uh-huh. That's fun for the kid and for everyone around him. Oh, everybody him. loves that. Yeah. He died when he was 31. Especially their siblings. Oh, man. Oh, so they good. Love it. Uh, he died when he was 31 from what was likely mercury poisoning. Was he just like sucking on thermometers? Well, in the early 1800s, you know what that meant. Uh-huh. The man was battling syphilis. Oh, he had a touch of the syph and yeah, he needed he, the mercury. Oh, yeah. He got the, around. Yes. Yeah, so, Blackbeard did that, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, he and his pals loved to party. I bet. Sounds they, like it. They would throw what they called um, Schubertiads. Wait, what? He had his own party name? Schubertiads. <laughs> Real ragers. They were intimate gatherings. Oh, my God. Like, here's what they did. They all danced, uh-huh. and they read poetry, and they had political debates. 
That's a salon. Zarin, That's they, not were, a party. they were leaning in. <laughs> That's a salon. <laughs> leaning in. It's no wonder he had syphilis. I mean, come on. They're <laughs> reading the, the poetry and the there. debates. Um, <laughs> so this gang, this bad boy club, this rat pack, they called themselves Schubertiaden. Like wow. the men of the Schubertiades. Why are they so on his jock? I don't know. So this was after the French Revolution, uh-huh. after the Napoleonic Wars. Okay. The Austrians, they didn't want that stuff catching. So we're like the 1820s, I guess, 1830s? Yeah. I'm guessing because he was born in yeah. 1797. Yeah. So, so uh, the Austrian police, they mm-hmm. were suspicious of such wild youthful gatherings. Of course. Can't have of that. Of students and artists and intellectuals. It, you know. Upsets the public. Zarin, nerd parties were surveilled. <laughs> So in 1820, the Austrian secret police pounced. They were like a little kitten in the grass. They yeah. pounced. Uh, they arrested Schubert and really? four friends on suspicion of revolutionary activities. Were they clothed at the ah, time? Schubert. Yeah. They, uh, he w- so they arrest him. And then Schubert, he was reprimanded during the arrest for, in- quote, inveighing against officials with insulting and opprobrious language. Oh, wow. He's talking foul. Yeah, he was talking foul, but they just reprimanded him. So to translate the Shubies, uh-huh. you know, he he said, first off, f*** yo, b- and the click you claim. <laughs> That's the t- translation of it. He was okay. the Tupac to the secret police's junior mafia. Okay, I'm following. Yeah. So Thank you for co- putting in terms I relate. Yeah, the cops, they were offended. Oh, but, as they would be. But they let him go. Like little Officer Ricky. <laughs> they, they let him go. Um, but Schubert, he had a best buddy, mm-hmm. fellow by the name of Johann Sen. Mm. Son of the freedom fighter Franz Michelson. Oh, not the freedom fighter Franz Michelson. No, never. Um, so, uh, Johan, he was a writer slash poet. Uh-huh. That's just how he introduced himself to yeah. the syphilitic ladies. Ladies, I'm good with the words. He was hardcore. He had a street name. Uh-huh. It was Bombastus Bebederwa. Bebederva, I suppose. Bombastus Bebederva. I don't understand he had a street name. I am not making this up. That he, was he his street name. A, oh, that was his street name. I thought you were like, he came from a street. No. I didn't thought follow. That was his street that name. That was, was his Bombast- street name. He was known That's on, such a weird street name. That's hard to say. Bombastus Bebederva. Hey, man, Bombastus uh, Bebederva. That's too many Bs, bro. I'm not making it up, and I have no idea what it means. Uh-huh. Although I think it's um, pidgin Latin for loud, pompous drunk. Yeah, I'm guessing. Like bebe to drink, yeah, the, whatever. Like loud, loud drunk. Yeah. So, um, Mr. Boombastic. <laughs> thank you. Much better street name. He, you should have given him a street you. name. He popped See off. See how that one just pops out of the mouth? Right? I mean, they call him Mr. Boombastic. Okay, so um, he popped off at the cops. <laughs> yeah. at, at the same as Schubert. Ow. Um, and But then he ended up getting imprisoned. I'm guessing probably because they're like, your dad's a spark plug, too. So. Yeah, and you're not a talented musician. Right. So he got imprisoned for 14 months without charges. They're just like, <laughs> well, you just sit here and think about what you've done. Um, so then they let him out, and then he was permanently exiled from Vienna. And, uh, you know, he was yelling the same crazy Tupac. Sure. Um, so he and Schubert never saw each other again. Oh. Um, Schubert didn't let that stop him from honoring his friend. He set his music to Sen's poetry, including um, the famous song. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know it. Go on. Schwungazung. Oh, he wrote Schwungazung? He did. He totally wrote that. Wow. I know. It's like, I always hear you humming it. Dude, that song bumps. Schwungazung. Schwungazung. Um, and no, that's, no, 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 that is the story of Schubert's brush with the law and his buddy's ridiculous crime. Wow. On to the next round. Schubert. Schubert. Dame Ethel Smythe. A Ooh. most British of names. Seriously. She was an English composer born in 1858. 
and she was part of the women's suffrage movement. Okay. Uh, she About was, that vote. Yeah. She was the first female composer to be granted a damehood. Oh. What a dame. Congrats. What a most British name. So as a female composer, a lady composer, if you will. <laughs> Composerette. She was pretty much dismissed by the powers I that imagine. be. I imagine, yeah. Uh, she was always either too much or not enough. Oh. Gals, I believe a lot of us can relate. That's the line of uh, womanhood, I understand. Mm-hmm. Too much, not enough. Yeah. Uh, so she was wildly talented. Her opera called The Wreckers, which like greatest Great opera name ever, name. The Wreckers. Um, it was later referred to as the most important English opera of the time. I've never heard of it. Me neither. And her works have been and continue to be performed around the world to much acclaim. I'm about to check her out. Yeah. Dame Smythe. She was an outsider, a firebrand. She was once engaged to Oscar Wilde's brother. Hmm. And at the age of Bob, seven, Bob Wild, yeah, Bobby Wild. <laughs> I think his name, honestly, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's Willie Wild. I'm not even <laughs> yes. kidding you. Um, and at the age of seventy-one, she tried to seduce Virginia Woolf. Oh, be about yeah, it, she's girl. Just, she's all over the place. I like it. Um, so back to the suffragist movement. Okay. In 1910, Smythe joined the WSPU, the Women's Social and Political Union. Oh, okay. And she even quit music for a couple of years in order to join their fight to take up arms. Uh, But not before penning a song called The March of the Women. Huh. Uh, And she took the melody for for that from a traditional Italian folk song, so it's very rousing. Mm -hmm. The song became the official anthem for the WSPU. It was sung on marches, at meetings, and in prisons. Hmm. Prisons, you say? Prisons, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, tell me more. Certainly, Elizabeth. I always want to hear more about prisons, Elizabeth. Smythe hung out a lot with the WSPU leader, Emmeline Pankhurst. Okay. And the two of them... That name sounds familiar, Pankhurst. Probably. Go on. Uh, And the two of them knew that in order to advance the cause, they were going to have to get tough. Yeah, of course. Maybe a little violent. Yeah, make some demands. Yeah. Don't forget, this is the era of the anarchists. Yeah, you might have to throw those things. I think you're going to have to. So sometimes... You know, you got to tear it down in order to build it up or some such. And not with the master's tools from what I hear. Right. So Pankhurst thought that they should start breaking stuff. Naturally. That's an easy, like, first step. Let's get a little wild. Let's just get right to break. Smythe was like, guess what? I want to break things, too. I got a hammer. So Pankhurst started telling the suffragettes to throw rocks through the windows of any politician against a woman's right to vote. You see their house, you bust their windows. Break that glass. You see a misogynist who doesn't see a woman as a human being deserving of respect? Well, they don't deserve windows. Let that glass sing. Yeah. Mess with us, you get bipped. Yeah. (laughs) So, Pankhurst, she was all about it. Here's one problem. She pulled Smythe aside, told her there was a problem. She didn't know how to throw things. (laughs) Wait a minute. Like, literally? Yeah. She's like, guess what? I can't throw things. I don't know how to throw. So, try underhanded. Smythe. Total keen athlete. She's like, no problem. I totally know how to throw things, and I have a deep desire to wreck shop. <laughs> Again, gals, I think some of us can relate. The rage, it is real. It's so close so, to the surface. So, Smythe, she took Pankhurst out to the forest, mm-hmm. and they threw rocks at trees. For practice. Yeah. They practiced. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And they practiced until old girl was chucking stones like nobody's business. <laughs> I like to imagine that the two of them got so good that they were embedding stones in the bark of trees. <laughs> And they were, like, successfully hunting deer. Like straws in a hurricane, just going into the woods. They invented modern baseball pitching. (laughs) And then they invented a digital speed gun to clock their throws that were consistently north of 125 miles an hour. (laughs) And then they realized how dangerous the technology was Uh for this speed gun that they invented. Mm -hmm. So they buried the device in those same woods. And they gave a treasure map indicating its location to a young girl. <laughs> okay. And that, that young girl grew up to be none other than Jennifer Garner, who has guarded the secret ever since. 
and we will never find it. I just it. like to imagine that. Anyway, That's, it's well imagined. Where was I? Very rocks. Thorough. Schubert rocks. Rocks. So 1912. Schubert rocks. Schubert. Oh, hey. hey. Uh, 1912, the women of the WSPU, they got together yes. to go on a window smashing campaign. <laughs> I love it. Just lay waste to all the windows of the men in power who didn't think they should vote. 109. And rocks are cheap. You know, that's right? a great thing. Right? You can just get them anywhere. 109 women uh-huh. got together and they went a shattering. Yeah. Uh, Smythe went to the home of Colonel Lewis Harcourt, Secretary of State for the Colonies. Get that glass. Why? Why did she go after Why Lewis? did she go after him, Colonel of the Colonies? Well, he said if all women were as beautiful and wise as his own wife, they would have already won the right to vote. Wow. That, so, it doesn't make sense on so many levels. Right, but they're like, I don't stand for those kind of insults. Attack! Yeah. Yes. And they throw. We're going to so, mess your face up, buddy. So, of course, they were arrested. Uh-huh. And they did two months in Holloway Prison. Nice. And it was there that the women found strength and distraction in singing the March of the Woman. I was just about to say, but the they women. were just sitting there singing and rocking. Yeah, so the conductor, Thomas Beecham, he went to visit Smythe while she was in the clink. And he later recalled watching the suffragettes in the inner courtyard of the prison, quote, marching round it and singing lustily their war chant while the composer, beaming approbation from an overlooking upper window, beat time in almost bacchic frenzy with a toothbrush. <laughs> Yo! A toothbrush. She's like conducting him with a toothbrush, like, yeah, ladies. Anyway, I so Smythe, like I said, she did get her recognition. Can you imagine, though, on day 17 of singing that song? Are we still doing this walking <laughs> in a circle? And the song. Sense. I, mean, yeah, I don't like, even hear the words does anymore. Does anyone know any other ones? Yeah, so can we, we can, like, mess around we with try them? Just something else yeah. to mix up the meter? So, like I said, she became a dame commander of the Order of the British Empire. DBE. What? 1922. Uh, she was also awarded honorary doctorates in music from the University of Durham and Oxford. Wow. Say more. Yeah. So she died in 1944 at the age of 86. Hmm. A life well lived. Fully. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll have more classical music hijinks for you. Nice. I'm going to make a rock pile. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. 
That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash CB for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Ah, rocks. What's up? What's up? Uh, Zarin. Your name's yeah. Zarin. Sir Michael Kemp Tippett. That's no. not your name. No, it is not. Where do you think he's from? Uh, Albania. Yeah, of course. He was an English composer. Oh, I was close. Born in 1905. Uh-huh. Uh, they made him a knight in 1966. Oh, they gave him the sword. Yeah. And from that moment forward, he was forced to wear a chainmail suit, effectively <laughs> ruining his career since it was both noisy and hot. <laughs> No. Imagine conducting in full metal. Totally. Just like, <laughs> so, <laughs> he came from a well-off family, this yeah. guy. I'm guessing. You said he was a Tippet. sir. So. Uh, pretty much all from his mother's side. Hmm. And so while they were fancy folk, they were also pretty subversive. His Ooh. his mom was big in the suffragist movement, nice. just like Good Dame Smythe. Uh, the family also pushed for Irish home rule. Excellent. And they were skeptical of organized religion. So they were not like their peers. Yeah, they were very out of step with their times. Tip it. Tip it. He created an anti-war masterpiece, A Child of Our Time. Tip it, flip it, rub it down. Oh, no. This is your favorite song, right? A Child of Our Time. Oh, totally. I love it. I hum it all the time. Sir Tippett, he was so horrified by the start of World War II that he started writing this oratorio. Newsweek uh, said it was, quote, something Handel might have written had he lived in the age of Auschwitz. Huh. Yeah. So the oratorio, it's about the events leading up to Kristallnacht, okay. a violent, deadly, horrific, yeah. coordinated ta- attack on Jewish citizens in Germany in 1938. So uh, it has a three-part structure based on Handel's Messiah. Okay, I was wondering. And, but then he used Negro spirituals in place of the traditional chorals of oratorios. Huh. So kind of mixed it all up. Yeah. Sir Tippett was heartbroken over the inaction of the Allies in 1938 when they just left Jewish refugees stranded. Uh He said, quote, I came to the conclusion that there was some kind of terrible mythology involved, that people were only willing to release their compassion in a war. So he wrote his his opus. But that wasn't all. He was a conscientious objector and a staunch pacifist. Hmm. Uh, very unpopular position in England at the yes, time. Yes, especially during the war years. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so, orchestras, they disbanded during the war. Mm-hmm. Cities are being bombed. Resources are, you know, needed to put towards the war effort. Sadly, young men are some of those resources. We need that clarinet reed for the war effort. Right. So, they're fighting a noble cause, to be sure, yes. but Sir Tippett wasn't with it. Lucky for him, Morley College in London was hiring in the middle of the war. He got the job of director of music there in 1940. Wow. Which I just can't get my head around. Um, we need to keep the spirits up. Its facilities had been like pretty much bombed out. Are there kids going to college Apparently, in class? I guess. Like, okay, between the know. raids, I'll just... I don't know. That's wild. Um, Tippett, he wasn't dissuaded by the fact that the buildings were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to bring back music to the shell of a campus. Bring music back to the people. So he used whatever he could to keep the programs running. And in the meantime, he finished his work work a child of our time but there wasn't any place for him to perform it 
His work had somehow gotten him out of military service thus far, but that luck ran out in 1943. Hmm. So he'd been fighting the draft for years, multiple hearings and panels and appeals. But in June of 43, he was caught and sent off to His Majesty's Prison Wormwood Scrubs. Oh, wow. That's the best prison name ever. That's a good prison name. His Majesty's Prison Wormwood Scrubs. Is it weird of me to, to be surprised that the British do not honor the conscientious objector and that Americans do? Like, it just kind of surprises me that they don't have that same tradition that we do. I don't know, man. At that point, like, I know they're not, we're not keen. They're like, look, we're not you keen get on giving there. out conscientious objectors. It's not like something that's no, easy to get, no. but in fact, it sounds easier for an American than a Brit. That I don't just know. surprises me. I guess, me. yeah. He he did two two months in Wormwood Scrubs. Oh, rough, yeah. rough. Uh, and he didn't have a very good run for a while after that. In 52, he finished what he thought would be his crowning glory, an opera called The Midsummer Marriage. Critics saw no glory in this. They said his libretto was, quote, one of the worst in the 350-year history of opera. It was flat, uninspired, and made you miss silence. Like, that's harsh. Yes, that's real bad. In uh, 53, he debuted his work Fantasia Concertante uh, on a theme of Corelli. And that was probably, like, one of his most popular. But, but critics... sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, critics complained about, quote, the excessive complexity of the contrapuntal writing. There was so much going on that the perplexed ear knew not where to turn or fasten itself. Or in other words, too many notes. Yeah. <laughs> he became known as a, quote, difficult composer. I bet he did. And some said his music was, quote, amateurish and poorly prepared. They say that about my music. He had this, I feel for you, he brother. He wrote the piano concerto <laughs> yes. in 1955, and it was declared unplayable by its scheduled soloist. <laughs> Why does everyone take turns kicking They're this guy? One after another. This guy's done like, time. Me, you hold him. Let me hit him. He's done time, people. <laughs> um, so he did, though. He lived to be 93, yet another so got a life long- well lived. Yeah, I mean, he kind of corrected the ship after a while there. Um, So we had some, you know, mediocre Mm -hmm. who managed to write the ship. But what about someone 100% awesome? Oh, yeah. Lay it on me. Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Named after the lead singer of the band Skid Row. (laughs) (laughs) So for those not in the know, he was a German composer and musician born in 1685. We are quantum leaping all over the timeline. Today. I love that. You know me. Jump I, I want to watch the new Quantum Leap show. Oh, do you? But I don't know if it'll evolve into a hate watch because I saw one ad where dude lands somewhere and says, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Okay, it'll be a hate and watch like, for I you. Wanted, I can just tell you that right I now. I wanted to stick a pencil in my yeah, ear. I'm just yeah. going to go right on the line yeah. with that one. Anyway, bye. So wait, you're going to not watch TV all this time, and the first thing you decide to watch I is Quantum Leap? I have never watched a TV show in my life. I'm not sure how I saw this ad. Yeah. I think it was trans transmitted to my brain. It was probably like uh, on your social media somewhere. You just... I'm not online. Oh, you're not online? Wow. No, I don't have a computer. Maybe it was projected onto the grass computer. you're always touching. I don't have a computer. Hmm. I just live on the lawn. <laughs> uh, Bach! Bach! So, January 1703, Bach! JSB, mama! He got a job. Oh. J-O-B. Uh, he was fresh out of music school, 1703, ready to take the world by storm. He was appointed court musician in the chapel of Duke Johann Ernst III in Weimar. Ah, in Weimar. That's a a heady republic. Sure it is. Uh, This wasn't as rad as it sounds, though. Uh, He had lots of, like, weird, odd chores and jobs, too. It was, like, light on the music and heavy on the other other duties as assigned. Um, But people heard his tinklings on the ivories, and they were blown away. This guy shreds. 
is what they were saying. To they each were other. like, "Who is this?" I cat? have a transcription that I found. You from the German? This guy sounds better in the original German. This Eine kleine Schreds. Yes, yeah, so um, it's like very with the consonants. Constant. Uh, because of this, he became the organist at the new church, and this involved teaching too. So that gig came with a fat paycheck and a giant organ. Oh, this is when he starts writing all of his stuff. That's yeah. the big organ. Well, yeah, yeah. Bach had a giant organ. I heard you. I, and, <laughs> you and want he me to could, talk about Bach's he could giant do, organ? He could do I'll much talk. more with it. So. <laughs> So Bach, You're going to keep going. No, yes. Bach, I'm stopped. <laughs> Bach wasn't always feeling it, though. Uh, his organ or his, what? He thought the student choir was bogus, <laughs> untalented. Like, they didn't reach his level. There was one guy, a guy named um, Geyserbach, and um, he called— Geyserbach? Geyserbach. I'm just going to call him Geyser. Geyserbach. Sure, let's say that. Uh, it, it, okay, here's what um, Bach called him, though. Mm. Zippelfagetist. <laughs> and that translates apparently in that time to weenie bassoon player, <laughs> which is the sickest of burns, der sick burn. Uh, so the weenie bassoon player, he uh-huh. wasn't going to take this. I hope not. He went after Bach with a stick. Oh, he didn't come back with another bad nickname. No, he didn't want to like parry back and forth He's with like, like I'm sharp just going to hit you upside the head. He's like, oh yeah, how about this? And boom, so upside your head, boom, <laughs> upside your head. So Bach, yes. like he gets, you know, he gets chased with a stick. Bach asked <laughs> to speak to the manager and the cops were called. <laughs> so they gave the weenie bassoon player a metaphorical slap on the wrist, but then they blamed the victim and they told Bach to cool his jets and be kinder. Really? They're like, Honestly, this wouldn't happen if you wouldn't call people names. Yeah, if you'd learned to mellow out. Yeah, so 1706, Bach was like, whatever, I got an even better job. He gets a job as the organist at the Blasius Church in Mulhausen. Ooh. And he was now making even more money, had a better setup. and had a He had a big organ, but he also had a better choir. Um, So he left that job, though, in 1708 and went back. He's fast through them. What is he, a millennial? Oh, no, he... (laughs) Yeah, the millennial of 1700. I'm just trying to work on my Um, media literacy. I like that. That's good. I wouldn't know because I'm not online. So Bach, (laughs) he goes back to the Weimar. This time... The Bach is back! He wasn't the errand boy. He was the director of music. No more student musicians. Now he was working with pros. Oh, yes. Uh, I kind of like that. It was then that his composing really kicked into overdrive. So he's getting better and better. He's surrounded by all that talent. He transcribed the works of masters like Vivaldi and Mm -hmm. incorporated their styles into his. So in the spring of 1714, he was promoted to Concertmeister. Oh, yeah. That means concertmaster. Yeah, he's the master of the concerts. The big leagues, baby. It's like a puppetmeister, but for concerts. But for concerts. Um, But his comfort... Uh, there didn't last. No. In 1717, he asked the Duke of Weimar to cut him loose from his contract. He wanted the job of Kapellmeister. Oh, Kapellmeister. Yeah, at the court of Prince Leopold. Now, Zarin, do you think the Duke of Weimar would accept such a request? Based Nine! on what I know. <laughs> <sighs> but for three months. You scared the bejesus I know I did. I scared myself. I think we're all a little scared now. Uh, but for three months, yes. Bach continued to nag him. Please, please, sir. Sir. I beg of you. I I'm coming you. with tears in my eyes. So the Duke was like, if I can't have you, nobody can. He Which, hello, him? red flag. He just killed him no, right there on the no, spot. The Duke, the Duke put him in prison. Oh. Uh, so per the Weimar court secretary's minutes, on 6 November <laughs> 1717, Bach, till now concertmeister and hoforganist, was put under arrest in the justice room for obstinately demanding his instant dismissal. 
So he asked, like, can I quit? And they're like, yeah, you can stop doing that. But we got a new job for you. Prisoner <laughs> one, two, jailbird. three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no worries, though. Bach, you know, he could keep himself busy. Some men, you know, they go to prison and they while away the hours in prison making wine in the toilet. Yeah, or bigger muscles. Right. And some join gangs and participate in violent racial segregation. Many we know write books. Oh, isn't that the truth? Um, Some of them lure disturbed ladies into being their pen pals. This is true. (laughs) Some start podcasts that eventually help them get their sentence commuted. That's how my mom met my dad. Well, that's a shout out to Ear Hustle podcast in Erlon Woods. That actually is a good story. So some do that. Mm -hmm. In 1700s prison, Bach wrote a book of keyboard exercises called the Orgelbuchen. Oh, wait, isn't that like the one that people used? Yeah. They, they kept using it? It's a prison book. Yep. <laughs> so good. There it is. So he got out on December it's 2nd. It's on toilet paper. <laughs> Onion skins. <laughs> he got out on December 2nd, 1717. Right. Um, per the Weimar court secretary, quote, on November 6th, the concertmaster and court organist Bach was arrested and held at the county magistrate's house of detention for obstinate behavior and forcing the question of his dismissal. Finally, on December 2nd, he was informed by the court secretary of his unfavorable discharge and simultaneously freed from his arrest. So they're like, we've arrested you for trying to quit. We're letting you out, but P.S. you're fired. <laughs> so you, know? you get what you want, but yes. we also got what we want. Yes. Now... Fun fact. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Bach, he went on to become one of the greatest composers in the history of Western music. Who? Bach! Oh. I feel bad for people who are listening to this on earphones. Or <laughs> oh, just my like, God. Damn it's you piercing listen. jumps. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he, what what does this tell us, Darren? It tells us that music programs in the prison reduce recidivism. <laughs> this is true. It works. We should bring music inside. Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, my God. You keep sneaking them I know, up. and I'm kidding. This one is a false alarm, too. Let's break for oh some ads. Oh, my goodness. When we come back, I got a real doozy for you. <sighs> Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Well, 
Welcome. Elizabeth. Hello. Elizabeth. Schubert. Elizabeth. Zarin. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Can I? Yeah. Elizabeth. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, we've had arrests <laughs> yes. for political vandalism, uh-huh. draft dodging, yes. nerd partying. Yeah, it's been try- a good run. Trying to quit a job. I love all of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have two more for you. I relate to almost all of them so far. Yeah, me too. Sure. Highly relatable. So, um, two more. Yes, please. Uh, there was a man named Ivor Novello. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you love the name Ivor. I do. Yeah. I, so, it's up there with Drogon. Yes, exactly. Uh, he was a Welsh actor, composer, dramatist, and singer born in 1893. Hmm. He wrote the British patriotic song, Keep the Home Fires Burning, in 1914. Really? During the beginning, yeah. you know, leading up to World War I. Uh-huh. That's song, like the song back oh, yeah. then, right? It was this, you know, the song was in that movie, Johnny Got His Gun, where yeah. the characters are celebrating a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And that's the clip from the movie later used at the end of Metallica's music video one. There you go. Look at that. Bring it full circle. I, you know, full circle, circle yeah. of life. Uh, so, <laughs> Ivor, uh, yes. he starred in two silent films, The Lodger and Downhill, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Hmm. He wrote symphonies. He wrote musicals. He intimidated Noel Coward. Really? Yeah. Coward said like of Like at Ivor, dinner parties or like Well, this is what he said. Quote, I just felt suddenly conscious of the long way I had to go before I could break into the magic atmosphere in which he moved and breathed with such nonchalance. Really? Yeah. Noel Coward wanted to be him. Uh-huh. He was once called the prettiest man in England. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he wanted to be him and be with him. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so, of course, he drove a Rolls Royce. Naturally. Naturally. So during World War II, petrol, gas, uh-huh. as we'll say, over on here, um, was rationed. <laughs> yes. Pretty much everything was rationed, even in the years after the war, but gas especially For so. a long time afterward. Uh-huh. Like, almost to the, like a 10 years almost you know, Sometimes 15 years for mm-hmm. some supplies. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it when you hear from like those like 60s era rock stars. Like you know, yeah. Keith Richards will tell you about his childhood. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we got butter when I was 15 or whatever. Totally, like, exactly. So uh, there's no gasoline to be found, um, but, uh, you know, gas is... is a yeah, precious commodity. Is, mm-hmm. um, and that gas, that's what kept the war that Sir Michael Kemp Tippett was, you know, so despised. That's mm-hmm. what kept it running. So in order to cruise around in his sweet ride, uh, Ivor applied to the regional transport commissioner for a permit. No dice, buddy. Yeah, I'm not seeing how you get that. They're like, we got a war going on. What are you even about? He's like, okay, listen. <laughs> You need to let me have the gas for my car because it will boost morale if people see me tootling. <laughs> people see me, they'll feel good. They'll yeah. want to fight the yeah, war. Yeah, they just, come on, like, it'll like, make them so happy. Yeah, let me tootle. Rural Britannia, man. Big nope is what they said. So um, there he was at some event, whining about not being able to gas up his rolls and go for spins. <laughs> A fan named Dora Constable overheard him. Okay. She walked up to him and looked at his pretty little mouth and said, um, I'm going to try and do what I can to get your car on the road. And, oh, thank you, Dora. You're really a dear. Oh, no problem, Ivor. That was the conversation. Okay, yeah, played so, out nicely. So, Dora Deer, she worked for the Electrical and General Industrial Trust Limited. Okay. And she figured that she would transfer the car to her company and apply in the company's name for permission to drive on matters of national importance. Oh. Like... Speeding to a gin-soaked soiree. Yes. It's very, very important. important to the war effort. Yes. So Ivor hears her plan and is like, that's awesome. Count me in. January 6th, 1944, a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> he transferred his car to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dora wrote a letter on the company's letterhead and signed it, Grace Walton, the company secretary. Okay. So much forgery and duplicitous yes. action. While our boys are over there fighting. 
Uh, so the letter. <laughs> no white poppies for you. None. White feathers. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's for the. Yeah. You know, isn't that for. Uh, white feathers are the cowardice. It's like, for cowards. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the Four Feathers movie. Yeah. White feathers. And then isn't white poppies for all the soldiers? The red poppies. For, red poppies. For the blood spilled in Flanders Field. Look at me. I messed up. You sorry. are messed up. Oh, you can tell I'm no Brit <laughs> so war enthusiast. The, le- the letter said that the car. Um, was a Rolls Royce, and it would only be used for transport that was absolutely, you know, essential. He's an essential worker. Oh, of course. Go bang your pots at 7 p.m. You got to get guy. to the soirees. So the license was granted March 6th. Nora took it over to Ivor, and he was, quote, tremendously elated. It would be great if she just sent him a note, thanks for the car, and never talked to him again. Well, yeah, transferred it over. That would be an even That's better what... ridiculous. Nora, you missed your chance. Um, so he starts cruising all over the place, Toodlins. Yeah. Uh, he had his, like, perfectly pomaded hair, unflappable in the wind, <laughs> tuxedo crisp. Um, Pocket square, not moving. Totally. But then he got bu- 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 busted. Oh. Uh, Dora confessed. And when this happened, mm-hmm. and then when it, she served a summons, and she said, I will not go back on my statement and shall plead guilty to it all. So she's just fallen on the sword. She's down to go, like... Yeah, she thought she'd put herself out there, but then she also thought that Ivor would, like, swoop in and save her. So she's, like, got groupy thinking? Yeah. All but right. here's the thing. Ivor only saves Ivor. Lady. Of course. Yeah, so... Ivor when, the selfless. When, oh, wait, the no, selfish. <laughs> when uh, provided with a copy of his statement on the matter, Dora said, quote, He is trying to put all the blame on me. That is grossly unfair. He was willing to do anything crooked so long as he had use of the car. Why, he knew every move, plan, and suggestion the whole way through. He agreed to everything and knew the company had never used the car. I realized that if I could not do something for him with regard to the car, I should go far towards losing his friendship, which I so deeply valued. (laughs) Like, ma'am, he did not deeply value your friendship. He played you, girl. So April 24th, 1944, Ivor Novello, uh, he went to the court and was sentenced to eight weeks in prison. He only served four over misuse of petrol uh, coupons. Wow. Four weeks. He did a month. This apparently, though, broke his spirit and he never recovered from the experience. Huh. But I think our boys have gone through much worse. <laughs> Stiff up a lip. What, what? <laughs> so, uh, Noel Coward, yes. one-time admirer, then full-time hater, said, uh-huh. quote, He's been fighting like a steer to keep going as before the war and hasn't done a thing for the general effort. Not one of his Zing. best bon mots, but... Rejection is tough. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then now we're going to wrap it up here. Lastly for you, yes. I have Eric Sadie. Oh, not the Eric Sadie. French composer and pianist born in 1866. Yes. Uh, I feel like you're going to enjoy this, dude. Oh, nice. He founded his own religion. Sadism? Called. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, called not, not sadism. Iglesia Metropolitaine d'Art de Jésus Conducteur. Jésus. The, the Met- Metropolitan Church of Christ the Conductor? Yeah. The Church of Art. Metropol- oh. Whatever. Um, to this day, he's the sole convert. Mm-hmm. He's the only he's member the only of the one? church. <laughs> yeah. I started a church. At least I got one convert. <laughs> he had one love of his life, the painter Suzanne Valadon. Okay. Uh, they had a five-month liaison, and then she moved away. All right. And he was heartbroken. That happens. And that was it. Yeah. No more for him. That was it. it was the one End of woman. the story. Just yeah. boom. Uh, he would only, Done with women. He would only eat things that were white. I live with a girl who did that. I thought she was kidding when I heard that. Maybe I was like, yeah, she was telling me about, hey, you know, Nicole's coming up from L.A. And, you know, I'm like, what's she like? Well, she only eats white foods. I'm like, that's the first thing you're going to tell me about this person? I think that's an important thing. How do people come up with that determination? This is how he said, quote, my only nourishment consists of food that is white. I have a good appetite, 
but never talk when eating for fear of strangling myself. Okay, he's all the way crazy. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Um, he doesn't want, okay, here's, whatever. Here's I'm probably my favorite bite. detail. Yes. He carried a hammer on him at all times <laughs> for personal protection. <laughs> yeah, so. If I had a hammer. <laughs> I'd beat you in the face with it. In mm. 1917, Ballet yes. Russe uh, commissioned a ballet from him. Mm. Uh, he gave them Parade in Paris, performed at the Théâtre du Châtelet. So what did the French John Henry do for the Russians? Well, he synthesized live music, uh-huh. dance, poetry, fashion, wow. set design, and visual art. So he basically invented movies? Pretty much. <laughs> Just... Poet, writer, filmmaker, all-around artist Jean incredible. Cocteau uh-huh. uh, did the libretto. Oh, wow. And Pablo Picasso did the set designs. Get out of town. Yeah. So in the program note... He's poet... got good instincts on who he hires. Oh, totally. Damn. He's got great friends. Um, the program note uh, was written by Guillaume Apollinaire. Whoa. Said par- Parade in Paris was, quote, a kind of surrealism. Une sorte de surrealisme. Yeah. Uh, I am butchering today. I apologize. Leave it to Three, me. <laughs> the, he did this three years before surrealism became an art movement in Paris. Wow. So the term was born there. Yeah. In the program Take note. Take that, Salvador. Cocteau said. Mr. Dali, if you're nasty. <laughs> quote, I have heard the cries of a bayonet charge in Flanders, but it was nothing compared to what happened that night at the Châtelet. As the ballet ended, the mounting anger of the audience boiled up into an uproar. (laughs) Cocteau also said that people were yelling, sales bush, dirty Germans at the company. Viewers demanded... In one voice, they rose up. <laughs> viewers demanded that the people involved in parade be sent to the front to fight. And then a fist fight broke out. This is what Cocteau said later. An irate female accosted me and tried to put my eyes out with a hat pin. And then a man said to his wife, quote, If I'd known this was going to be so silly, I'd have brought the children. This is amazing. So the whole thing is incredible. They should be sent to the front. Yeah. I I already know that I was born at the wrong time and possibly the wrong place. But these are the sorts of things that drive them home for me because I should have been there, Zarin. (laughs) You should have. Should have been there. This is your jam. Sadie and friends. uh, Maybe they didn't want to be there after all um, because they were then charged with cultural anarchy. Is that a thing? Yeah, they were arrested and jailed for eight days. They have laws against cultural yeah, anarchy? at the time. The French. Uh, so they, they, get, <laughs> they get busted for cultural anarchy. <laughs> Critic Jean Pueg uh-huh. uh, congratulated Sadie after the event. That was amazing. I'm so proud of you, honey. <laughs> That's what he said. But Just then like his review came out, Uh-oh. and it was another story. It did not sing. Yeah. Pueg uh, dismissed parade as, quote, an outrage on French taste, and Sadie, quote, for his lack of wit, skill, and inventiveness. Oof. So Sadie, like, he's going to respond to this. Oh, he has to. Yeah. He started writing Pueg um, irate and crass postcards. Postcards. That's postcards. his response. Postcards. And since they were postcards that anyone could see, <laughs> Pueg sued Sadie for slander. <laughs> And on July 12th, 1917, they went to court. Oh, my God. Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, now you really snuck it up on me. Okay, my eyes are closed. I want you to picture it. Yes. You are a French judge. Ooh la la. <laughs> Mad. Uh, you are overseeing the case of Jean Puig uh, versus Eric Sadie. Mm. These two twits have been going at it, and it's working your last nerve. You stare out the window, and you imagine some Bach playing, something <laughs> lovely. <laughs> You're lost in this reverie until a man clears his throat. How rude. 
It's Pueg's lawyer who now stands and addresses the court. In his hand, he has a stack of postcards. If it please the court, I would like to read the following communications written by Mr. Eric Sadie to my client. Go ahead, you tell him. The courtroom falls silent. The lawyer, <laughs> lawyer clears his throat again. <clears throat> Get a cough drop, you bozo, you think? <laughs> 30th May, 19... 19- snarky. <laughs> Sorry. 30th of May, 1917. To Jean Pueg, sir and dear friend, what I know is that you are an and if I dare say so, an unmusical Above all, never again offer me your dirty hand, Eric Sadie. The gallery erupts in laughter. Order, order, you shout as you bang your gavel. Proceed, you say. 3rd of June, 1917. To Monsieur Jean Pueg, head flop, chief gourds in Turkey. You are not as dumb as I thought. Despite your bonehead air and your short-sightedness, you see things at a great distance. Eric Sadie. <laughs> Small snickers come from the gathered people in the courtroom. I love the Eric Sadie. Yeah, this one isn't as hot as the last. Uh, the lawyer clears his throat once again and looks you dead in the eye. You feel like this one's going to hurt. This one's going to be a heater. 5th June, 1917. To Monsieur Face Pueg. Famous pumpkin and composer for nitwits. Lousy This is from where I on you with all my force, Eric Sadie. The gallery goes wild. People are laughing, shouting, whooping, you bang your gavel. Enough, order. Pueg's attorney tells you he wants a one-year sentence for public defamation. Jean Cocteau shoves his chair back and stands and waves his cane at the lawyer, yelling arse, or at the French equivalent, over and over. More chaos as the cops run in and arrest Cocteau. They take him to the back and beat him for good measure. Oh, damn. Saren, you do not run a tight courtroom. No, I do not. That's enough for you. The end. So, Cocteau was eventually fined, mm-hmm. and Sadie was sentenced to a week in prison without parole, and then fined 100 francs plus 1,000 francs in damages to Pueg. Huh. I like that Picasso was smart enough not to go oh, to yeah. court. Oh, yeah. He's like, I am not touching that at all. Okay. So Sadie appealed, but the final verdict came out in Pueg's favor. Hmm. Um, Princess de Polinac uh, came to Sadie's aid and loaned him the funds to cover the fine as well as damages. Sure. Uh, on March 15th, 1918, his sentence was suspended, quote, on the condition that he show good conduct and not receive any prison sentence for five years. Hmm. Better right. than going Easy being enough. sent to the front. Right. So Sadie maintained good behavior, but he didn't pay the damages to Puig. Of course not. It looks like he just pocketed the cash <laughs> from the princess. Um, so he wrote in October of 1918, quote, I have no intention of giving one cent to the noble critic who is the cause of my judiciary ills and instead ask for permission to use the money for living expenses. Makes sense. And they they let him do it. Yeah, I'm not going to. They did. They let him do it. So. The man's got to eat. The controversy surrounding the parade premiere Mm -hmm. resulted in a cult following, obviously. Of course. And then turned him into a minor celebrity in the late uh, 1910s. And thus. Ends our wild ride through classical and groundbreaking composers. That was really nice. Thank you. Zarin, what's your uh, ridiculous takeaway? 
these guys act like my friends. Like, I mean, they're just as ridiculous from Schubert all the way down to Sadie. I'm like, yeah. I can chill with these guys. You sound like, you sound like you're telling me amazing. stories of people I've been with. Like, I I'm like, like them all. I yeah. liked every last one of those, them. Those were fun. They didn't involve like hurting a lot of people. No, they didn't no. really like, you know, con the queen. And some great postcards. Great, great postcards. Great, great writing. Yes. That's all I have for today. You can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com. Uh, we're also at Ridiculous Crime on Twitter and Instagram. Don't email RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. Do, do it. Do leave a talk back on the iHeart app. And that's it. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by head flop Dave Kustin. Research is by Chief Gourds in Turkey, Marissa Brown, and famous pumpkin, Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by composer for Nitwits, Thomas Lee, and Monsieur Face, Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Lousy Ben Bolin, and offerer of the dirty hand, Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.